Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, welcome back to my weekly podcast, Taste of Taylor. I just want to kick off this podcast by saying that I owe all of you an apology. About a month or so ago, I had my wife, Taylor Donahue, on the podcast and uh, we reviewed Sex and the City, the reboot. It had been the first two episodes and um, we laughed, we cried, and we gave it an A++++. And, oh boy, was I wrong. Um, Woo! I feel mortified that I would so strongly recommend such a piece of shit show. I don't know where I was. I just think I was really wrapped up in, like, the sex in the city of it all. And, you know, I've said it a million times. I'll say it again, repetitive, Rita. I warned everybody. I said, even if this show, this reboot is a total open ass, I'm still going to love it. I'm going, the movies are terrible. I still love them and watch them. It's like, you're able, you're capable. I just saw my friend, Amanda Hirsch, not skipping up fat. She posted something on her stories. I think it was about Emily in Paris. And she said, it is possible to hate something and love something simultaneously. And that's, I guess, what I thought I was going to be getting with the Sex and the City reboot. But six episodes in now, I think we're at six, five, six, seven. Honestly, I can't even be bothered with knowing this information. This show is atrocious. I am so embarrassed. I put my stamp of approval on it. And I just think I have to come here and retract everything I said about sex in the city. So you guys know I'm super terrible at Instagram. And uh, a part of my New Year's resolution, New Year, New Me, is to get better at social media. And a part of that is like keeping it organized. And so like in your DMs, there's like a primary column, there's a general column. And then there's like a people you have to approve column, whatever. All of them were such shit shows. I like literally this morning woke up um, and I went through all the columns and I kind of like organized everything. And while I was going through, I was reading all of these old DMs like from a month ago that I haven't read. And so many people were talking about my first podcast, the one I did a month ago with Tay um, about sex and the singing. They were like, oh my God, you're so right. Oh my God, you predicted it. Miranda's going to have a drinking problem. Oh my God, you predicted it. Um, Miranda's going to be a lesbian. You predicted, you predicted it. You nailed it. And as I was reading through, I was getting so bathos because I was like, yeah. 
I did. I did predict all the things because I am the number one Sex in the City fan, okay? I am a big, huge nerd alert. But like, as I'm taking all these accolades for predicting all these things, I'm like, yeah. But what I didn't predict is how much this series would suck. <laughs> like, I'm literally angry about it. Last week's episode, the one where Che and Miranda hook up, put a pin in that. We will get back to that. I am livid over that scene. I can't even begin. I promise I'll get back to it. But like that episode, I was spitting nails pissed I was like I like I had a visceral reaction I've watched Sex and City forever you guys know I won't like bore you with the repetition but like yeah I can now go back as an adult woman and be like oh Carrie was the actual worst she was a terrible friend it's always about her she like she literally sucks. How crazy that in my 20s, all I wanted to do is be the Carrie. We all wanted to be the Carrie. No one wanted to be the Miranda. And then like in your 30s, you're like, wait, Miranda's the one. Carrie is not that bitch. And how could I be so far off in watching the show? 20-year-old me watching the show, I just, it was just straight up aspirational and everything. I worship them. 30-year-old me watching the show, the original show, I'm like, you know, Yes, I can see it for what it is now. Also, Samantha is a hero. Like, I, I spent my 20s, I was such a fucking prude. Being like, I just don't even really like Samantha C. It's like, really uncomfortable. It makes me feel weird. It's like, you loser. <laughs> you fucking prude loser. She's the best. She's the comedic relief. She's like everything. Now, when I watch old, old Sex and the Cities with Samantha, I die for her as much as I love the old sex and the city of course there's moments where I'm like that's a dad joke oh these punny jokes are so bad oh that's so cringy oh Carrie's the worst and I'm I, I actually said in the original podcast about this I said like I'm gonna refer to and just like that as a sex in the city reboot because these are my girls and yes I miss Samantha but these are my girls these are my best friends scratch that okay it, this will forever be and just like that the worst series ever because I refuse to tarnish my my love and memories of the original series with this abomination. Basically, my best friends, right, all became a fucking bunch of Karens. I hate all of them. This show used to be like an escape. You would watch it and you would just kind of get to have a little brain vacation from your life. And now every single episode sends me into a full fucking blown panic attack. I am so scared of aging, okay? This is something I'm not proud of. And when I was in my late 20s, I remember saying, I'm serious, like, I don't get women that lie about their age. It's so beautiful to age gracefully. I also grew up with, like, a very youthful mother. And, like, it wasn't because she had a million procedures done with plastic surgery. Yes, of course, she has Botox. My dad gives it to us, so hello. But, like, she wasn't getting tons of plastic surgery. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I fully plan to have 15 facelifts in the next five years. But I'm just saying, like, I grew up with a mom who, my mom aged so well. And I said to her a while ago, like, oh, you know, I'm scared of aging, but like... <laughs> I shouldn't be because look at you like you're my crystal ball I remember my dad said that when he was dating and he would meet these girls that he was dating's moms that they're like a crystal ball into your future 
And so he said when he met my mom's mom, Muffner, he was like, woo-wee, jackpot, because Muffner was a snicky snack. And my mom, of course, has aged well as well. And so I said to my mom, well, I'm, like, worried about it, but, like, not worried about it, because, like, I've got your jeans. <laughs> she looked me dead in the face. And she was like, Tay, you've lived a harder life than me. Which is so accurate. I have lived a much. That's her subtle, not so subtle way of saying, like, stop drinking so much if you want to look like me when you get older. Oh, God. If that's not an incentive to start dry January in the middle of the month, I don't know what is. But yeah, no, in my late 20s, I was like, I'm not scared of aging. And it's like, well, duh, you're fucking 27, you fucking moron. Oh, I hate my former self. But now that I am a woman of a certain age, Somewhere in my 30s, <laughs> uh, rapidly aging out of them, I am starting to really like freak out about aging and I'm very narcissistic. So I'm not like, ew, you're aging. Sometimes I have people DM me that listen to the show and they're always like, I'm, you know, in my 50s and I know like I'm too old to be listening to the show and I'm like, fuck. No, especially because I came from Sirius and think about like the demographic. I mean, Sirius originally was in luxury vehicles, BMWs, Audis, Range Rovers. What else is a nice car? Um, Teslas weren't even in existence then, but it was just like we always had an audience that was a little bit more affluent. It was like people who lived in rural America because like they couldn't get access to radio stations. Um, they were willing to pay for it and for serious. And then like people who have luxury vehicles and usually people who are more affluent tend to be a little bit older. So, so I always thought it was like crazy when my audience would be like, I know I'm too old for the show. And it's like, you are not too old. I was just super young for the job actually. So I just, I don't want anybody listening to be like, oh my God, if you think you're old, Taylor, you must think I'm ancient and disgusting and decrepit. Like, no, 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 no. My ageism is only about thyself. So caveat, as I'm talking about the aging stuff, I don't want anybody to feel like triggered that I'm coming for them. I'm simply coming for myself. But I am realizing that like aging has become like a very scary thing to me. I think a lot of it has to do with the career that I'm in. You know, radio used to be like old school. <laughs> emphasis on the old so I was like a young spring chicken hunty forever but podcasting is like a young kid's game and I know audio is audio and you know I pivoted which I'm super happy about and I'm so happy to be out of radio and in the podcasting world but like I feel ancient sometimes and so when the show and just like that started I was so here for the message of middle-aged women okay Women in their mid-50s being at the epicenter of the show, that messaging was so important to me. Like, I needed this show to be bomb to, like, help me feel better about getting older, and it fucking failed. I really thought. So episode one was uh, cringy until the last scene. And then it was so heartbreaking. All I could focus on was my rush of emotion and how invested I am and carrying big and all these different feelings. And I was like, wow, for a show to make me cry for an hour on a two, for a show to make me like literally have to lay in bed crying, like on a Thursday, like I did that when my family dog died, you know, like that's powerful. Like, I felt like my friend passed away. And so that is really the emotion that stuck with me. Not like the previous 40 minutes that were terrible and cringy. It was like just the end of the episode that like really stuck with me. So I'm defending myself on that front. But then the second episode, obviously sad. It was Big's funeral. 
But near the tail end of it, they brought like Susan Sharon back in. And I'm like, oh shit, this is funny. Like, I really thought that they were going to go in a direction of like, so we did the sad stuff up front, episodes one and two, like we do with the movies. But like, now we're going to get back to like the silly stuff and like Carrie dating and like showing the audience and showing the world that in your mid fifties, you still got a girl, like go out there, wear your heels, be fabulous, go to great restaurants, you're living in New York city. Like your friends are still everything. I just... I really thought that they were going to go back to the basics and they literally did the complete opposite. These women who laughed over funky spunk and bootylingus and FedEx blowies and cheating and all of the things. Carrie drinking all night long and waking up to do a magazine cover shoot and she looked like a meth head. They did all of that and it was funny and silly and light and just like whatever. And now those girls that could like laugh anything off, like maybe not Charlotte, but like Samantha was the yin to the yang that always like brought Charlotte back down to earth and like, you know, took the stick out of her ass. All those silly, fun, lovable characters are now the most stick up the ass, judgmental, miserable, miserable people on the face of the planet like why do we have to make Miranda an alcoholic why and if she is all of them are just send them all to rehab together it's just I need the escapism that it once was and this is the complete opposite it's literally shoving stressful topics down my fucking throat every single week and I can't take it any longer I know I said I'd love this show, even if it was a big stinking pile of garbage. And it is. And I, I don't know if I can keep watching it. I mean, listen, of course, like I want to keep watching it because I am a masochist. I'm, I'm desperate. I'm like, just hoping that I get one good episode. And listen, I'm full of shit. Of course, I'm going to keep watching it, but I don't like it. I will watch it, but I do not like it. And I do not like the way it makes me feel. I've heard that the older you get, the less fucks you give. Like, you don't care about the small stuff. You don't sweat it. You lived enough life to know that, like, there's no point in stressing over the minutia that life has to offer. Just, like, zero fucks to give. This episode of Taste of Taylor is brought to you by First Leaf. To say I love wine is actually an understatement. I'm freaking obsessed with wine. And if you know me, you know that I know. Mama knows her wines, okay? I love my Italian reds. I I mean, white wine, it is sunset as far as I'm concerned. I know a lot about the wines I love, but I don't know a ton about ma- the majority, I guess, of other varieties. And I have a friend I go stay with all the time in LA. And... I love Italian reds, but she actually really doesn't like them. And so when she's like, pick out a bottle of wine, like pick up a good Pinot Noir, I actually have no idea like where to even begin. So as much of a wine connoisseur, if you will, a sommelier, some would say, as I am, I still have a lot to learn. And that's why I love First Leaf Wine Club. I get to explore new wines uh, that I'm not really sure of. They remove all the guesswork, doing basically all the hard work. So I get to discover great wines and I can just enjoy them. 
First Leaf winemakers sample 10,000 wines a year across five continents and 12 countries, and they select only the best bottles for the club. First Leaf believes wine is personal, and it totally is. They're so right. Like what I love, somebody else might not love. So they create a custom wine print for each member and then maps their vast portfolio of wines to each person's unique taste preference. Once you take their five-minute quiz, super easy. And here's the deal. The more wines that you rate, the more each shipment is personalized to your taste. Best part, there are no contracts or cancellation fees. And if you're not happy with a wine that you receive, First Leaf will give you a credit towards the next shipment for a risk-free way to explore an endless array of world-class wines. There are no contracts or cancellation fees. Love that. And if you're not happy with the wine that you receive, First Leaf will give you a credit towards your next shipment for a risk-free way to explore the endless array of world-class wines. Thanks to First Leaf, I found this wine. It's a Seneovese, I think I'm saying that right, from Puglia. Um, Also, did I say that right? It's spectacular. But again, like I just said before, just because I loved it doesn't mean that you will. So I feel like you got to go. You got to take the quiz and they will match you up to like premium wine for your taste buds. So what are you waiting for? Celebrate your special firsts and the moments that count with First Leaf. The wine club designed to help you discover new wines you'll love, personalized to your taste, and delivered to your door. Join today and you'll get six bottles of wine for $29.95 with free shipping. So just go to tryfirstleaf.com slash Taylor. That's try, T-R-Y, firstleaf, F-I-R-S-T, leaf, L-E-A-F, dot com slash t-a-y-l-o-r for six bottles of wine for $29.95 with free shipping. So here's a toast to firsts. May you enjoy them with the people you love from the first sip to the last. Try First Leaf one more time. That's tryfirstleaf.com slash Taylor. And now back to the podcast. Poor Miranda. is a late-in-life lesbian alcoholic, which very much triggers me. Like, hello? Why do you make me watch me? Please stop it. I'm laughing so I won't cry. Speaking of Miranda and Che, can we? Can we talk about that for one second? I have something very important to say, and I was thinking of it as I was watching it. I watched an episode alone. Tay was not with me. She was like, fuck this show, I'm fucking done. Um, So I watched it alone, which I really wish she was there because I really needed her moral support to get through that episode, especially that one. Um, So the sex scene between Che and Miranda was like, horrific okay and as I was watching it I was cringing and then it dawned on me like oh my god straight people are probably watching this feeling like they're homophobic like you're probably watching it and cringing because it was so intense and so yucky that's the only word I can say I was grossed out I was gagging and not in a good way not in a RuPaul way When I watch scary shows, I usually have to cover my eyes and wash my fingers. That is how I watched this scene. But as I was watching, I was like, oh my God, I bet straight people are watching this. And they're probably feeling like, oh my God, I feel bad. Like this is how lesbians have sex. I'm like thinking that people that know me are probably like, this is how Taylor and Taylor got together. Oh God, the horror. So I am here to say, as a member of the queer community, as a lesbian or bisexual or whatever the fucks I am, if that scene made you feel weird, 
you are not homophobic. I also want to say something. All of us lesbians, that is not the kind of sex we have. And I was kind of mad about it because I'm like, there are so many negative stereotypes around homosexual couples. I can't speak to gay men, but I can definitely speak to lesbians. And I feel like a lot of times people feel like lesbians can be a bit predatorial. Like, oh, that lesbian coming in, turning all the straight women at the soul cycle class. And while, yes, that's exactly what happened with me and Tay. <laughs> like, exactly. Um, it's not the case. Some lesbians are predators, but not all lesbians are. And I felt like that just made, it just, it wasn't a good look for us. I said it when I was on tour with Stassi and Bo. I said, Lesbians need better PR and we need it now. And we especially need it after that stupid sex scene on and just like that. I also feel like there's a stereotype that gay people, and I will speak for men and women in this regard, that we're oversexed. Like, we're like so horny, can't keep it in our pants, like, you know, hooking up anywhere we goddamn well please. And that is the truth. No, I'm just kidding. Everyone is sexual demons. No, but I just, I feel like it was perpetuating that lesbians are predators and that, you know, lesbians are so hypersexual that they can't even bother to go into Carrie's bathroom and close the door. Like they're in her open kitchen with her in basically a studio apartment. I'm like, we're lesbians. We're not animals. We know how to close doors. And also just like so much fingering. <laughs> I feel like that's all people think about lesbians. Like, oh, they just finger bang. Uh, I hate that phrase. Oh, I've hated fingering my whole life. FYI. Like, remember when you were like in like, I don't know, depending on how promiscuous you were, maybe you were fingering in middle school. I was definitely in high school. Ugh, but I remember the first time I got fingered. I hate that phrase. I was like, this is, this is not for me. I do not like it and while obviously as a lesbian it's like kind of like a necessity to some degree there are so many other creative and fun things that we can do that don't involve getting fingered in somebody's kitchen anyway i think i've made it pretty clear that i did not like that scene and i really just want to reiterate like please when you watch that scene or when you saw that scene do not think that represents me and my wife okay Speaking of lesbians representing lesbians or lesbians on TV, I should say, I am so grateful that we are being represented in mainstream, heavily female demographic shows, okay? I think it's fabulous. And I was really excited to see that we were going to get a lesbian finally, finally on the Real Housewives franchise. Real Housewives of Miami is so epic. If you aren't watching it, it's on Peacock. Watch it. It is my everything. I'm obsessed with it. But there's a new housewife and her name is Julia. And she is a late life lesbian, kind of like me. She was married to a man. Um, I think she was married to another dude, had two children. And now she's with Martina Nanatolova. <laughs> <laughs> I know the name's wrong, <laughs> but that's what I call her. <laughs> She's a famous tennis player, Martina Nenantilova. <laughs> this episode of Taste of Taylor is brought to you by Best Fiends. So Best Fiends is a mobile puzzle game that anyone can download and play, whether you have a few minutes or a few hours, truly. It's really 
addictive, like not like in a I can't put my phone down way. It's like in a fun way. Best Fiends is the perfect puzzle game to lose yourself in because it's just fun and it's cute and the music's cute and the characters are cute. And the games are like challenging, but not so much that I want to smash my phone on the ground. And like I said, the game features tons of cute characters and they help you solve thousands, thousands of fun puzzles so it never gets boring. And the more you play, the more characters you collect. And the more that you win, the more challenges you face. Also, new characters and puzzles are being added all the time. So you won't get bored. Like, I feel like every time I play, like, pick up subtle nuances to the game. Right now, I'm on level 16 um, because I decided to go backwards because I want to, like, perfect my craft. I sound like such a nerd. Um, it's I just love this game. It's so fun. I know this sounds so random, but, like, the music makes me so happy. I can't explain it. Just try it out and experience it for yourself. So if you're looking for something to do on the toilet and you know you are, do not lie to me. You know you are. Or honestly, like, I play at the DMV when I have to go to that hellhole, when I take the path into the city, waiting at a doctor's appointment. It keeps me entertained. It keeps me challenged. And it's like such a welcome, fun distraction from the mundane minutes of a waiting room. And I'm not alone. 100 million downloads also agree with me. So what are you waiting for? Download Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's Fiends, not Friends, okay? It's Friends without the R. Best Fiends, and you're welcome. Now back to the podcast. I was so excited to see a lesbian couple, a real lesbian couple on the show. Not Bronwyn lesbian, fucking Bronwyn. Like, I'm a lesbian, but I have a thousand children and I'm married to a man still. And I'm just going to date women on the side, but he's still my husband. And uh, by all accounts, he pays for all my bills. Like, bitch, you don't know. You don't live my life. I am not you and you are not me. But Julia's a real deal, okay? She's walking the walk. She's living the life. She's doing the damn thing. So I was like so excited. Of course, they live on a farm. All these Miami women are so fabulous living in these gorgeous houses. And the craziest part is Martina and Julia, Martina and Julia have a sick house on the water. I think it's like on Star Island in Miami. I guess they're renovating it or something or finishing it up. But it's like they showed the exterior of it. And I'm like, why can't we see these lesbians in this fabulous house instead of this fucking poo filled farm? Again, there we go, right? We drive Subarus. We love flannel. We chop wood. The word fabulous in gay men is like literally synonymous. Can we get a little bit of that? Hey, gay guys, you want to share that with us lesbies over here? Come on now. So I'm like so excited they're going to be on the show and then they're living on a farm. Wah, wah. Like Lars is taking sexy pictures of her feet and Julia's milking a goat. But that's not what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is this Julia Adriana friendship question mark slash such inappropriate behavior. And, you know, again, again, I feel like there's a stereotype that, thank you very much to the L word, but that like lesbians like all date each other or all fuck each other. And it's like they try to convert their straight friends, Adriana. I'm saying they, like I'm not one of us. We, that we like are promiscuous and we like probably will cheat on our partners. And again, it's happening on Real Housewives of Miami. Julie and Adriana, I was like so floored. I couldn't believe how inappropriate the relationship is. And that's the thing too, like as 
a member of the community. I want to say, like, as a lesbian, I'm like, oh, no, homie, don't play that. That is not okay with me. Like, as a lesbian, I'm not like, oh, that's just lesbians being lesbians. So flirty, so naughty. Like, no, I would kill Tay if she behaved like Julia towards Adriana. And Martina looks furious, and rightfully so. I actually even, I was watching it and I was like so floored by the behavior. And like, I am a late in life lesbian and I don't know, sometimes I say I'm bisexual. Who fucking knows what I am? I don't know. I'm in love with the woman and I am proud of that. She is my person and I am so in love. That's all that I need to know. But my wife's a lesbian lesbian. (laughs) So I was like, hey, Tay, I need you to see this new lesbian on The Real Housewives of Miami and tell me what you think of her behavior, right? Like, is it like, just like, oh, well, that's just flirting. That's just being a lesbian. Or is this like way inappropriate? And Tay... I like she doesn't want to watch the full show. So I like fast forwarded. And what was blowing my mind was every single episode of The Real Housewives of Miami this season. I think it's season four, the brand new one. There is a scene of inappropriate interaction between Julia and Adriana. And so like I was able to fast forward and just show Tay those like those bits and pieces. And everyone she was like, ugh. I'm not like loving that vibe. And then like the next episode, they like pony up. They, they up the ante of the flirting. And Tay's like, yeah, I'd fucking kill you. And, and then I got her all the way to the dinner party with like the foot rubbing scandal. And like Julia putting like the flower in Adriana's tits in front of Martina. And Tay legit was like, murder. Like, oh, hell no. She was like, they are for sure fooling around. Julia's like, I'm such a flirt. And Martina loves that I'm such a flirt. It like, it's like foreplay. It like turns her on. And it's like, Julia, I don't know if you saw Martina's face or not at that dinner party. She does not look like she wants to throw down with you. I mean, like sexually. I'm just over here beating my lesbian drum, just trying to speak for us in the community that are prudes. <laughs> Listen, lesbians come in all different shapes and sizes and sex drive. So I just feel like I need to speak up for my people and for my subculture within my culture you know what I'm saying Julia is not doing me proud that's where I'll leave it anyway I've exhausted myself from getting angry over literally nothing per usual so I guess I can just conclude saying Real Housewives of Miami so epic Julia does not represent lesbians definitely watch it And just like that, AKA the Sex and City reboot is total trash. And I will be watching, but I will not like it. And I've come to the completely depressing conclusion that Emily in Paris is actually the Sex and the City reboot. It's Darren Star. And yes, I know, talk about something that you love and hate simultaneously. Trust me, I get it. I'm at a point now where I think Emily's actually supposed to be hated. I really do. Because all the other castmates are so incredibly lovable and their fashions are so good and Emily's are like so bad I'm at the point where I think it's intentional and I'm so here for season three four and to like a bajillion as long as Darren Starr is on something I am here for it I mean younger hello Darren is the king and also somebody recently DM me this and I don't know if it's right or if it's wrong but I'm going to share it without doing any research because that's how I roll. But somebody DM me and said that the reason why, and just like that, and even the movies were so different, so different from the original Sex and the City is because Darren Starr, he's still in the credits, but he was heavily involved during the series on HBO the first time around, season one through six. And then he was less involved, even if at all, 
on the movies and now and just like that. And if you notice, that's when the movie started to get really dad jokey and really like cringy punny. And um, and then I just, I mean, and just like that's a complete shit show. And meanwhile, Darren's pet project right now is Emily in Paris. And it gives me Sex in the City vibes. Like, yeah. Sometimes like I'm cringing at things that Emily says, but like it's cute and it's funny and it's colorful and it's in a beautiful city and it's, you know, it's a brain vacation. That's what I thought we were going to get with it just like that. And actually Emily in Paris is giving me those vibes. So anyway, guys, that's it for me this week. Uh, please, if you have thoughts and opinions, DM me at Taylor Strecker on Instagram. And also just thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. It means the world to me I love and appreciate you guys and um if you have time if you so if it's not too much of a pain in the ass um when you guys go and you rate my podcast you know those stars I would say click five it's so easy I'll even take a four but for real, if you go, you just uh, hit those stars, rate, and then review. You can even just give me a hey, girl, hey in the reviews. It means so much to me, and it makes me look pamp. So uh, please go ahead and do that if you have not already. Honestly, if you have done it, just do it again. Why not? For realsies, though, I really appreciate and love you guys, and uh, I'm hashtag grateful in the hashtag new year. Uh, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll have another Incrayob podcast next week. Until then, bye girl, bye.